This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. This morning's reading of God's good and perfect word comes from Luke 21, verses 29 through 33. Luke 21, 29 through 33. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What encouraging news it is to hear that God's word will not pass away. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we come just hearing that good news that your word will stand forever. And God, that is good news to us because we live in such a turbulent world, a world in many ways where everything changes so fast and sometimes we just ponder, will anything remain the same? And Lord, we are reminded that you never change. We're thankful, Lord, that your word declares the good news of Christ to us. For while we sin and we fall, we know there is a Redeemer who lives, a Redeemer who came to save the broken, the sinful, the wicked, to save us. We're thankful for the good news of the gospel, Lord. We're thankful for the hope in which Christ provides. We're thankful, Holy Spirit, that you come and apply that work of Christ to us. We're thankful that we know that we are being changed as we look to Christ. And so we pray now for this hour, this this time that we get to set aside and sit under your word and hear you speak. God, unblock our ears, soften our hearts, change us, conform us more and more to the beloved image of your Son, our Savior. Help us to hunger for you, for righteousness, for purity, for holiness. Lord, I pray that in all things we could be the very light you've called us to be in a dark world. That we would be the witnesses of the great Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one who came to save. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use this hour in equipping us and strengthening us We know there are many in our midst that are struggling. We pray that you would go before them and use the very word of God to speak to them, to strengthen them. Lord, for those who are doubting, Lord, give them faith. For those who are hurting, I pray that you give them peace. I pray, God, that you would use your word to build your body, the church. We pray this believingly and believing your word. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. We all live in an uncertain world right now. We look around and we're desiring to find certainty. 
we question at times what's going on, what's, what's happening, and we're looking for certainty. And the question then becomes, where are we looking to find that certainty? For some of us, that may be news stations. For others, it may be we look to our neighbors, or maybe we even look to our nephews. Now, if you noticed, I used all ends. I'm very proud of myself for that. <laughs> news stations, neighbors, and nephews. Of course, when I reference nephews, I mean family. How many of us don't look to our family for security and certainty, and yet we know that the family as a, as a unit is falling apart in the world? How many of us look to our neighbors, and yet we recognize that the violence and the hurt that neighbors feel, and of course, we have partisan news stations, all built around entertainment. Yet being a follower of Jesus means something totally and entirely different. It means about looking to and trusting in God's Word, doesn't it? It's looking to God's Word for the answers we so crave in an uncertain world. A being a follower of Jesus means that we believe the Bible to be the inspired Word of God. We, we believe truly in the sole authority that Word of God has over our life and our faith. And yet this word of God is under attack. E.J. Young, the great theologian, says this. He says, ever since her founding, the church of God has been engaged in a spiritual battle. Against her, powerful foes have fought. Foes which at every turn of the road have sought to deflect her from the true course. And if possible, they've sought to actually destroy her. And what is central in this enemy's attack but actually questioning the very authority of God's Word? You don't have to go very far in the Bible to see this attack. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, in which the serpent asked Eve, did God actually say? Right from the beginning, right after creation, right there in the garden, we see an attack on God's authority through His Word. Did God actually say? And yet even after our Savior came and took on human flesh and lived a sinless life, yet He was betrayed and handed over to Pilate, Jesus spoke these words. He says, I've come to bear witness to the truth. And then and there, Pilate asked Him, what's truth? The attack on God's Word is ever before us. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1 that the ungodly by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Friends, understand this. The truth of God's Word has been under attack all throughout the church's history and continues to be under attack even today. So should we therefore be surprised that we find Jesus stressing the faithfulness of his, world, his word as he predicts the future of the world? No, we shouldn't be surprised. Look at verse 33 of chapter 21 where Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. For while the world and everything in it passes away, God's word stands forever. Now, just prior to this statement, Jesus had been speaking of the signs that point to the last day. Signs pointing to the kingdom that was to come. Jesus even offered an illustration regarding 
that signs or those signs. The illustration he used was a fig tree. Look at verse 30. As soon as they come out in leaf, you will see for yourself and know that summer is already near. Jesus referring to the, the leaves of a fig tree as being a sign to our lives. How many of us don't realize that the budding of trees means the beginning or pursuit of summer? We know how to read the tree leaves ourselves. And Jesus is here using the example of the leaves of a fig tree as being a sign pointing to the coming kingdom. Jesus' parable here is all about the kingdom of God. A kingdom that will bring with it both divine judgment and perfect redemption. Church, these signs point to the kingdom of God. It's exactly what Jesus says in verse 31. So also when you see these signs taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. You know it. Well, what were the signs? Well, if you go back just a few verses, verse 20, we're told that Jerusalem would be surrounded. We're told in verse 22 that these would be the days of vengeance, judgment for the rejection of the Messiah. In verse 23, we're told that there would be distress upon the earth. And Jesus was pointing forward to 70 AD when the temple would fall. We, we talked about this over the last two weeks. And yet there were other signs that Jesus gave. Signs of the sun, the moon, and the stars in verse 25. The stress of the nations, the roaring of the sea and the waves, the power of heavens being shut in verse 26. And then in verse 27, he says, you will see the Son of Man. And Jesus is offering these signs. He's, he's really answering a question that the disciples asked all the way back in verse 7, which was this, when will these things be? I stated for you many times that the disciples nowhere rejected the idea of God's judgment. They knew that it would be just. They just wanted to know when. When would this judgment be? Jesus in his answer in verse 32 actually says, this generation will not pass away until all this has taken place. And that phrase, this generation, is a loaded term. And I've watched theologians deal with it and wrestle with it and find complexity as they wrestle through it. In the most simplest of reading, one could say the generation is ages like 30 to 40 years. That covers a generation. So this generation could be those who were there with Jesus specifically. And what did they see? They saw the fall of the temple. There are other theologians who say, no, it actually is a reference to the group or a type of people. That's oftentimes how this generation is used in the Scriptures. Maybe therefore the, the meaning of this generation would be those who continue to reject the Messiah. But friends, either way, it's abundantly clear that Jesus' words would be fulfilled. And they were. In 70 AD, we saw the marker as the end of the beginning, the end of the Old Testament era. No longer would they be out doing sacrifices. It was the end of an era, but it was also at that very same moment, the beginning of the end as it pictured the judgment of God upon all who rejected the Messiah. So what we see very simply is Jesus' words were fulfilled because Jesus has come. And therefore, we can trust 
his words again that he will come. The question before you is, do you believe that? Do you truly trust Jesus' words? In a world filled with chaos and uncertainty, are you trusting in the words of Christ? Church, I got good news for you. Jesus speaks to offer hope. In verse 33, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that heaven and earth will in fact pass away. That sounds scary. It's unsettling. But in and on that midst of that unsettlement, Jesus also says, but my words will not pass away. Friends, the reliability of God's word is absolute. The reliability of of God's word is absolute. And why? Jesus says, it's my word. And Jesus is saying, because it's God's word. Because it's God-breathed, inspired. Jesus is speaking of his words of promise. These words of God. Because he himself is God. And God is eternal. And from this eternal God flows eternal words. The reformers, those individuals who sought to reform the church, those individuals who saw the church creeping and moving away from the truth of God's word, they saw the supreme importance and relevance of God's absolute authority through his word. These 16th century reformers sought to reform the church through the word of God. They stood upon Scripture alone. They had a high regard of the inspiration and authority of the Bible. As one theologian, Timothy George says, for the Reformers, the Bible was a treasure trove of divine wisdom to be heard. It was to be read and marked. It was to be learned and inwardly digested and held on to. And we see this. And the way in which the Reformers went about declaring their own faith through their confessions and creeds. As they battled the church that was moving away, they fought to be loyal and faithful to the eternal Word of God. Hear their own mouths through their own creeds. The Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 1, section 4 says, The authority of the Holy Scriptures, for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, faith and works, depends not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore is to be received because it is, in fact, the Word of God. Do you hear it? Do you hear their plea to return, to stand upon the word of God? Friends, if that were not enough, we hear it in the Belgic Confession. Article 5 says, We receive all these books as these only, as the holy and canonical, for regulating, founding, and establishing our faith. We believe, without a doubt, all things contained in them. Not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, but above all because the Holy Spirit testifies in our hearts that they are from God. And also because they prove themselves to be from God. For even the blind themselves are able to see 
that the things predicted in them do happen. Don't miss that ending of the Belgic Confession because that's exactly why Jesus is making this statement. He's saying even those who are physically blind but have been given spiritual understanding, believe them and believe what is predicted to happen. And the reformers said, we believe. But what about us? Do we believe? Do we believe in the eternal word of God? Jesus says, my word is reliable. It will not pass away. Though heaven and earth be replaced with a new heavens and a new earth, my word will not pass away. See, the struggling part for us is this. The world has been here long before us. The world has been here long before you have existed. And so we can not intentionally but mistakenly begin to think that the world has always existed. But hear me this morning, it hasn't. God has spoke this world into existence. And here this same God in our text tells us the eternal God speaks of its end. How important that we listen and that we hear what Jesus is saying. The eternal God is speaking through his eternal world. We're telling us what will happen. And yet so many of us, we make the mistake to trust in anything other than God. We'll trust in creation. And yet we reject God in his word. Church, we do well to listen to the eternal God. We do well to listen to his eternal word. As the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. So I ask you again, are you trusting in Christ? Are you trusting his word? Or are you trusting in creation more than the creator? How often we fail at this. See, the real question for each and every one of us in this room is to really wrestle with where and what are we trusting in? And do we trust in culture? And do we trust in personal experience? Do we trust in our desires? Do we trust in our emotions? It's been said, if you truly want to know what a man believes or holds dear, look where he places his resources of time, his energy, his affections, his desires, his hopes. The question is, is that the word of God for us? What's the first thing you grab in the morning? I mean, after your coffee, of course. But what's the first thing you grab? Is it your Bible? Or is it your iPhone? Or maybe for some of you, it's your TV remote. What do you truly long for? What do you truly desire more than anything else? Do you long for the news of this world or the good news of Scripture? See, that's what's really at stake. Do we long for the news of this world or the good news of Christ? The problem for all of us is this. It's what we see, it's what we feel, it's what we experience slowly begins to shape us and to shape our view of truth. We look around and we see loss, we see pain, we see frustration. 
And so we begin to believe that our lives are wasted. We begin to believe all's lost. What's the point? But it's here in our text this morning that Jesus is calling us to trust Him. It's here in our text this morning that Jesus is saying, look to me, believe in the eternal God and His eternal Word. Despite your feelings, despite your experiences, trust Christ. And He reminds us, heaven and earth will pass away. But His Word, His promises, they will not pass away. See, Jesus is calling us to trust Him. He's assuring us to do it. He's saying, your lives are not wasted when you're following Me, for I am eternal. This is why He told His disciples in Matthew 6 to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things would be added unto you. Seek first. This is why He told the disciples after He told them of the fall of Jerusalem, as he told them about all that was coming in the judgment of God, he said, raise up your heads, verse, verse 28 of Luke 21. Raise up your heads. Why? Your redemption is drawing near. You have nothing to be afraid of if you're in me, if you're trusting me. I think the writer of Hebrews captures this well. In Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, he says, long ago and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He spoke to us by His Son. Since Jesus has come, that moment in time, everything changed. God is speaking to us through His Son. Then He defines this. Whom He's appointed to be heir of all things. Ruler over all things. He who created the world, He goes on to say. May you be focused on Him. May you be trusting Him. So I ask you again, are you trusting Christ? Are you trusting Christ in His Word over all your other feelings and fears? Are you looking for certainty in Jesus in an uncertain world? Church, we're all looking for certainty because we do live in such an uncertain time. And yet Jesus reminds us that that certainty can only be found in Him. That certainty can only be found in His Word. You know, in that Word, those 66 books, there are all kinds of promises from God. And in the Gospels, even themselves, we see the very words of Jesus, the incarnate Word, who speaks to us and He makes promises to us, promises He wants us to hold dear and to believe and to trust. Dr. Phil Riken does us a favor as he compiles that list. Just listen to the list of promises Jesus has made you. Jesus promised to forgive us of all of our sins through the cross where he died for your salvation. Jesus promised that whoever comes to him will never be turned away. Jesus promised to give us everything we truly need. Jesus promised to be with us in all of our troubles, giving us perfect peace and rest through His Holy Spirit. Jesus promises to heal all of our wounds. Jesus has promised to prepare a place for us in His Father's house. 
Jesus has promised that by the power of his resurrection, that he will raise his children from the grave and that he will come again to take us home. Friends, we can build our lives on these promises. These promises that Jesus has provided in his word. I like what one South African theologian said. He said, Jesus is not merely the foreteller of the course of history. He's saying that Jesus isn't just sitting back and predicting what will happen. No, it's entirely different than that. He goes on to say, Jesus himself, in unity with the Father and the Spirit, is the almighty disposer of history. And church, that should be good news as we, the bride of Christ, are married to the one who is actively working all things together for good to those who love him and are called to his purpose. Friends, this is good news. It's good news if you're trusting in Jesus, that is. It's good news if you're truly taking his word seriously. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one idol, not one dot will pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. Church, my prayer is that we may say with Jesus, as Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, may we truly say, thy word is truth. It may not just be words that come off our lips, but may truly be the, the belief of our own hearts that we truly believe the word of God and we hold it dear and we believe the one in whom gave it. The eternal God who gives the eternal word to his people. Friends, I think the psalmist in Psalm 97 captures it well. He says, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. The Lord reigns. The assurance we have that God is on the throne. That nothing is just happening, but all things are moving for His glory and our good. And because we know who is reigning, we therefore, we the earth, can rejoice. Even though the earth knows it will pass away. Why? Can it rejoice even though knowing it will pass away? Because it knows in Christ all things are made new. And church, the same is true for you and me if we're in Christ. Yes, it's appointed a man to once to die. And then the judgment. But if you're in Christ, you will be resurrected with him to new life. The glorified life. The picture and revelation of no more weeping and no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. The eternal word, Jesus Christ says, believe me. I ask you this morning, do you? Are you? Or maybe the question is, will you? Let's pray. Father, as we close our Bibles, may we truly see that your word is eternal. May we recognize that oftentimes our eyes are focused on what we see 
what we experience, what we feel. And Lord, if we're really honest, there's times we don't listen to the eternal word. We'd rather listen to the noise of this world. We've confessed that this morning as a church, and I pray that we've confessed it individually. I pray that our eyes have been shifted and that we truly see the glory of who you are and the beauty and the peace that comes from being in relationship with you. Lord, I pray for these people as they struggle through these uncertain times, but may they know that there is one who holds all things in his hand. May their confidence not be in anything but Jesus. May Jesus truly be our greatest joy and his word offer that great eternal peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.